Hello and what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Panthers Tracks podcast. I'm your host, Ellis Williams, joined what is now becoming a tradition by just me, myself, and I. If you're watching the video, I know you can't see behind me because it's blurry, but I'm back in a Spartanburg hotel room battling y'all enduring not because I'm tired just because like my former high school football coach used to always say you will face adversity and I battled some adversity today with the commute down here traffic is terrible I show up to check into my hotel room after a day of reporting and they don't have a king bed available for me so I'm in a room with two queens which one of the beds is completely unnecessary um, I didn't pack any sweatshirts. You might think, why does Ellis need a sweatshirt in Spartanburg, South Carolina, where, you know, the heat is raging and it's humid? You know, I just, I like hoodies, man. I, I don't know if I've ever gone, I'm going to be here for five nights, six days. I don't know if I've ever gone that long. I don't know if I've ever gone a week without wearing a hoodie. That's a good question. Has anyone listening ever gone a full week without putting on a hoodie? There's just something comfortable about it, right? Uh, I don't know if I should drive back on Wednesday night when the Panthers break, you know, they got Thursday off. I thought I just would hold it down here, but now I'm like, I feel half packed. I'm not in the room I'd like, but I digress. This is not a life on the beat segment, even though that's something I want to give to y'all at some point. This podcast is about the Carolina Panthers. So that's what we're going to talk about uh, today. I want to touch on a range of topics. JC Horn activated from the PUP list. I'm going to get into why that is so important. I want to talk a little bit about the offensive and defensive lines. And, of course, the quarterbacks. We're going to talk Baker Mayfield and why I think he had his best day yet as a Carolina Panther. I thought about putting the quarterback stuff at the end and make you all listen, but that's just not right. So um, let's just jump right into to the day that was and the quarterback battle that is. Baker Mayfield really impressed me today. Uh, in my unofficial tracking stats, he went 10 for 12 with three touchdowns, while Sam Darnold only went three for six, had one passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown, and one fumble, which we'll get into. I know it sounds wild that Sam Darnold only threw six passes during team sessions, and when I looked at my notebook, it didn't seem right either, but that's what I have, and I, and I watch these practices very due diligently. So I have to trust my, my notebook. And I think the reason for the discrepancy or, or variance or difference in pass attempts was that the Panthers were in full pads today. And that meant that there was a healthy mix of both run and pass in their team sessions, you know, in that first week when they're just shells or just uppers, just, just helmets seven on seven is all pass, right? Well, today they were able to mix the run and the pass. For example, Sam Darnold scored on a red zone rushing touchdown. That was a design QB run, a, a really nice executed. He walked right in and it wasn't because the D line let up just because it was designed so well. He walked right in for, you know, five yard score. And, you know, that's a play Ben McAdoo is not calling for Baker Mayfield most likely. So, you know, just, just the added nuance that the, Panthers are able to now practice and integrate into their team sessions because the pads are on. That meant that, you know, at times when 
Sam Darnold play action pass goes back to throw. There might not be anything there. And he takes off. He had a nice uh, first down conversion on a third down play that he just you know, took off when nothing was there and, and converted. So though the numbers say three for six, you know, picking up a first down with your legs is a, is a, is a great football play. So unique day, but overall I thought Baker Mayfield, as I said at the top, had his best day throwing the football, uh, best day commanding the offense. He threw a couple really nice balls to Terrace Marshall. The first one came during, again, a team session, play action pass. Baker Mayfield drops back, sets up square in the pocket, eyes in the middle of the field, holding the safety right where he wants them, holding the corner uh, even, I'd say, with Terrace, you know, um, not allowing the corner to have any idea that the ball was coming Marshall's way. And then as soon as Marshall broke his route off to run a sideline comeback, Mayfield pops right and delivers a strike on the sideline high and outside that only Marshall can grab. Marshall fully extends, toe taps the sideline, beautiful gain of 12. And then a couple of plays later, we saw Terrace run a deep over out, I'll call it, a play action pass. And he works over the linebackers between a, a safety and Mayfield hit him right in stride, though he settled a little bit. And by settle, I mean just like tapered or slowed his his route to to find a hole, not a complete sit down. It was just, it was almost like a a, a play that illustrates some chemistry developing. I don't think Terrace takes a big hit on the play. It's probably a nice gain of 25, definitely their longest, or the Panthers offense is the longest play of the day. And that came, like I said, via Baker Mayfield. He continued to play sharp as the Panthers moved into a couple full team red zone sessions. He had a touchdown to Colin Thompson, the tight end, on a corner route. Just a, a nice high-placed ball. The, the scheme had Colin wide open. I don't believe there was any play action off it. Um, two plays later, Baker found Rashard Higgins on a touchdown red zone slant. Higgins started on the right side, condensed split. Baker quick play action fake Higgins chopped his man up at the line it, you know the corner may have been looking inside may have had his eyes inside two eyes in the backfield which you're you know I didn't play defense but you're taught never don't have your eyes in the backfield um and Higgins you know easy pitch catch really crisp I, I though it looks so simple I thought it was perhaps Baker's best play of the day just because he shouldn't make a touchdown look that easy right and I guess maybe uh it's nostalgic to see Mayfield to Higgins. And it's just kind of surreal they're both here. Um, I kind of realized that today. It, it, it finally set in. Um, Baker Mayfield saying after practice that it's been great to have Higgins here in Spartanburg and just with the Panthers in general. You know, Baker not being able to have the playbook for much more than two weeks, not even two weeks not be able to contact his coaches because the NFL's contact policy, he's been leaning on Higgins just to bounce 
or affirm concepts and ask questions and it, it Mayfield seemed very appreciative of his old friend today when I asked him about it. Overall, like I said, Baker just looked really crisp today. Now, perhaps I buried the lead here, but the reason he may have looked so sharp is because he was working with the second team. And when you're working with the second team offense, that means you're competing against the second team defense. That's why he was throwing the guys like Terrace Marshall and Rashad Higgins. Colin Thompson because Sam Darnold was working with the ones. And this is reminiscent of what happened last week at this time. Uh, the first day they practiced, Sam worked with the ones and Mayfield worked with the twos and tomorrow they'll flip. I even thought about not podcasting today because I didn't want to get to, uh, you know, have the fans or put out a message to the fans that would have them get too ahead of themselves on this Baker Mayfield's best practice because I wanted to see what Baker does with the ones tomorrow. And if Sam looks as crisp tomorrow with the twos, then, you know, we're right back where we started. I, I wrote on Sunday that this quarterback competition is in a complete gridlock, and I expect it to stay that way for a while. I don't think anything necessarily happened today to change that because, you know, we're, we're one day through a two-day practice plan. So we'll see. We'll see what everything looks like tomorrow and where we stand. I think it's important to note that Matt Corral – continues to just look different because his release is just mesmerizing. It's just, there's, I've never seen anything like it. So compact, so small. He, I shouldn't say small, so tight, no wasted motion. He talked after um, practice and I asked him how his throwing motion got that way. If he's always thrown like that and he, he chuckled and he said, no, not at all. He said, it's taken six years. For, to, for him to get such a, a tight and compact throwing motion. And he credited his longtime trainer that he's been working with since high school on helping him perfect that. He mentioned it's not perfect yet, but he thinks it's good enough to win football games. And clearly you're, he's an NFL quarterback. He's right about that. But Matt Crowell just continues not to get enough opportunities to actually be a threat in this quarterback competition. Um, Matt Rule acknowledged that it's been difficult to get Corral enough reps. Him and Ben McAdoo talked after the Saturday practice about how they'd love to get him more reps, but it's just sort of a, the you know, nature of the beast that, excuse me, I'm taking stuff out of my bag, some old Jimmy John's here that I can't wait to eat later if it's not too soggy. I uh, got to get my laptop charger. I'm just, you know, you know me, always prepared. If you didn't hear the top of the podcast, I'm, I'm, I'm always prepared, honestly, over-prepared for everything I do and never need to scramble at the last second to make or execute things that I have in plan or motion. That's just the L will way. Always be ready. <laughs> um, all right. So that's kind of the quarterbacks. We are sitting at an incomplete and I can't wait to talk to y'all tomorrow about man you know that's just my preparation that's just, that's what preparation sounds like um let's slide to JC Horn I wanted to lead with this but I know we love quarterbacks so that's I shook up the opening lineup a little bit uh JC Horn activated off the PUP list today that happened while I was driving to Spartanburg 
So I obviously had my assistant send out a tweet about how JC Horn was going to practice for the first time this training camp and perfect timing with the pads on. Uh, JC is going to remain quite limited. Matt Rule said after practice, he's day to day. He elaborated slightly on the injury, saying that it wasn't necessarily in like the exact spot that he just, you know, that he had the surgery on in his right foot. It just was overall foot soreness, whatever that means. And the doctors said that once he stopped reporting this about the soreness, that they could start to ramp him up. And that's exactly what they did. It was great seeing JC out there in shoulder pads and helmets and thigh boards. This defense, I, I think I've said this on this podcast before. If not, you'll hear it right now. You're going to hear it for the rest of the year. I think J.C. Horn is as important to the Panthers' defense as Christian McCaffrey is to the offense because Carolina can't play the complete scheme it wants to without J.C. in the lineup. Having J.C., Dante, and then C.J. Henderson – gives them three corners that they're comfortable lining up man-to-man against anybody, which then leaves Carolina eight defenders to do with as they please. Hell, you could rush all eight. You know, this isn't Madden. You're not getting engaged eight much in this league. Cover zero. I guess you get a good amount of cover zero, actually, but that doesn't necessarily mean only eight guys are rushing. They're going to put more, you know, NFL teams are going to put more than three receivers into a pattern, especially on third down. So my point is, when you have three corners that you're comfortable locking up and playing sticky coverage against any three receivers, then that allows you to really get as exotic or multiple as you want with those eight other guys. You know, you can drop two others. You can have robber coverage. You can rush five. It just opens up everything for this Panthers defense and specifically, of course, defensive coordinator Phil Snow, but also secondary coach Steve Wilkes and what he wants to implement and how he wants to use his two safeties Jeremy Chin and Xavier Woods who continue to just look sharp JC allows the Panthers to be whatever they want to be on defense and they're going to need them all year which is why I don't think we're going to see much of them until he's completely ready to go I don't think it's anything to worry about I had a John Ellis who stole my first name and decided to put it on his the end of his name asked me a great question on the radio today. He said, can a player once activated from the PUP list be put back on it? And I still need to make some calls or send some texts about that. I've just been going nonstop and honestly was flustered by getting the wrong room and not packing any sweatshirts that I just, I've been in my head since, since about, I don't know, an hour ago at six. I'm, I'm, I'm quite melodramatic if you guys aren't realizing everything's fine life is great I just I just like to gas things up and you know have fun and create conflicts that don't exist because you know things get boring if you don't I, I was raised as an only child you know you, you have to keep things interesting on your own it's the only way to just keep swimming just keep swimming so all of that being said I don't see the Panthers doing much about their defensive line anytime soon trying to transition here from the secondary to the D line because like I've been saying having those three corners at your disposal allows you to create pressure however you'd like to 
And Matt Rule said last Tuesday that they don't see pass rusher as a huge point of urgency because they want to unpack or fully decipher what they have up front in the Marquise Haineses and the Etors of the world, maybe some Frankie Lubu on the edge before they go out and make any moves. And now that the pads are on, the Panthers had their first chance to see that today. And Matt Rule said that before practice, Phil Snow said it best to him saying that this is the week we find out if we can stop the run. And I thought that was great insight. I appreciated the peek behind the curtain there because he's right. I, I think after these next four or five practices, we'll, the Panthers will have an opportunity to self-assess and self-scout themselves and then decide whether they're picking up the phone and calling a Jason Pierre-Paul or somebody like that because at the end of the day, this team needs to be able to set the edge and get, they need to play more firm up front. They, they're built to to play fast. They're built for the edge in a pass rushing sense. They're not built to defend and set any edges against qualified running teams. And they're going to get a wake up call week one when the Cleveland Browns come to Carolina without Deshaun Watson, who is now going to officially be suspended for six games. That was ruled uh, today by former federal judge Sue Robinson. All the more reason the Browns are going to come to Carolina and and run the football. Bill Callahan, probably the best offensive line coach in the NFL. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, a offensive line that features one of the two of the best guards in football, Joel Batonio, Wyatt Teller. Jack Conklin, one a better one of the best tackles in football and all pro in 2020. Jedrick Wills, a, a top 10 pick in 2020. A new center, but you know, I guess you can't have it all in life. You know, Drake taught us all that. You can't have everything. That's a joke. Um, so this team's gonna find out really quick whether it's this week in camp or if they wait till week one, whether they can defend the run. I have a feeling the Patriots will test their run defense as well when those joint practices kick off in Foxborough. Uh, we're only geez, we're only like 12 or 13 days away from that. We're already, it's August 1. That's, that's crazy, y'all. I feel like it was just July 4. So pivoting to the Panthers' offensive line now, because, again, when those pads go on, you learn a lot about the trenches. Matt Rule had some interesting comments today about Ikem Ikwanu. He said that if Ikem wants to start, which he knows he does, he's going to have to battle for it. He added that he doesn't think they're bringing Ikema along slowly, unlike Matt Corral, their other rookie, because Ikem is getting the opportunities, and he's going to have to battle. He's going to have to battle to be in that starting five. I think that's good language to just you know keep your number six pick motivated. I could see why it ticks a lot of fans off, because if you draft a guy at six, you should just hand him the key to the city and the, the gold jacket in the left tackle spot and say they're our man for 10 years, but it don't, it doesn't necessarily have to work like that. I mean, I talked to a lot of evaluators leading up to the NFL draft and most of them said Ecom would flourish at guard and give him a year or two to learn tackle, which is not that abnormal in this league before he slides out there. And then you have your franchise guy for five or six years. I can't stand when people say the next decade. I mean, the Warriors were supposed to win the next six titles over eight years. But then Kevin Durant left. Things change, right? 
and they still won this year. Um, so be patient with Ecom. I mean, again, when you see him, there's not a physical specimen on this football team like him. So eventually, you know, talent just is going to win out, whether that means he's at guard or tackled. I don't know if it necessarily completely matters, you know, unlike quarterback where you need to pick a guy and stick with them, you can start Brady at tackle and Ecom at guard and then flip them on the bye week. I don't know. It, it, it'll be fine as long as the product is above average, as in the five offensive linemen are performing well together. I don't really care where people are at, specifically, you know, a left guard or a left tackle. If anything, it speaks to how rich the Panthers may be up front this year, especially on that left side. And the right side, we don't talk about because they've invested a lot of money in it. And Taylor Mullen, of course, and then Austin Corbett. Similar battle happening, much lower profile, but happening at center. Bradley Bozeman, Pat Elflat. we'll see. And yeah, that's kind of everything I got. Uh, I don't know how long I went. I don't. I feel like I didn't go that long, uh, minus my my rant at the top and a couple sprinkles of nonsense in between there. I think this was a tighter podcast, and and I'm cool with that. <laughs> now watch me quit this, and it was like 12 minutes long. That'd be funny. But I, you know that that's 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 the game. I'm gonna try and crank these out as much as I can. I'm, I I've been saying that since camp started. Uh, I'm seeing a gradual jumps in downloaders and, and listeners we've doubled since last week which is incredible uh, solely but surely I, I hope this becomes a place y'all like to retreat to and fall back in and, and 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 in time perhaps you know i'm answering questions and you, you guys can have your voice heard on this podcast never hesitate to reach out i know i'm not the most vocal on twitter but if you come at me correctly and emphasize that this question is for the Panthers tracks podcast, I would love to read something and have a engagement from there. So we'll get there when we get there y'all for now, I'm going to sign off. I'm starving. 6 PM on a Monday. We're back at it again, early morning and I'll record as long as the Panthers practice. So for Ellis Williams, I am signing off. Thanks for listening to the Panthers Tracks podcast. We'll talk tomorrow. Take care, y'all.